With Stephanie Holan. In and out of the courtroom, Stephanie seamlessly navigates the legal world of criminal defense, family law, and more. And now, your host, Stephanie Holan. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Stephanie Holan, and this is Total Disclosure on On Air Live. You can listen on onairlive.com. Today, I'm going to talk about several things. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is the number one way people screw up their own case. Regardless of your attorney, here's how you do it. Social media. I actually make all of my clients sign a social media policy, but here's the problem. Let's say that you're in an accident. You're in a car accident and you jack up your back really bad because somebody rear-ends you. Well, if that happens, you're going to be going to a chiropractor or a doctor. You may have to have surgery to replace a disc. Let your imagination run wild with how injured you are. And then you post video online of you riding the bucking bull at Billy Bob's. Well, guess what? As the attorney on the other side, I'm going to be, you know, trolling your social media like people are trolling Trump right now. I'm not going to let it die. So then when I'm impaneling a jury and I'm sitting there doing what year and saying, hey, guys, uh, if you are really, really severely hurt, how many of you have been severely hurt? And you get all the people who are prospective jury people. If you've ever been to jury duty, you know we ask you 10,000 questions. You raise your hand. How many people who've had a really serious back injury are going to go ride a mechanical bull? If you've actually ever really hurt your back, that's probably one of the last things you're going to do. And social media, I talked about it last time, is like leaving a window open to your life. So social media is by far the number one way people hurt themselves. I actually have a social media policy that I have my clients sign. They never do what it says, ever. I make them sign it anyway. And it says, keep your, keep your dirty laundry out of the street. It's not anybody else's business. You do not need 500 people to, oh my God, I'm so sorry you're going through a divorce. I mean, it feels great to hear that. You feel justified. It kind of makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside and like you're not completely alone. And I can promise you I've been through a divorce Myself, I'm, I'm very familiar with the legal system. You know, I have a custody arrangement with my ex-husband. My daughter goes, I understand what that feels like. But the number one way people hurt themselves is they post things online. And this past week, I had a client who posted certain things online looking for feedback that would, in theory, help her case. And the problem is that by posting that, you completely invalidated any answer you would get. Because as the attorney on the other side, my job is to rip you apart. So if all of these people knew about your injury and they love you and it's like, oh my gosh, I was hurt by this really terrible doctor who did something wrong. You're going to get all the outpouring of support. And then if you give them a questionnaire, which in this case, there was a questionnaire that went out, all of your results are skewed and they post it online. They post pictures themselves going out online, had the client who was still married after 21 years and went on vacation out of the country with his mistress and posted pictures on Facebook, even though I had specifically made him sign documents that said, I will deactivate Facebook, linked it. I don't care what it is. Just get off of it. It is the number one way people hurt themselves because you forget how much information you just put out there. If you're saying that you're really injured and that you're so hurt and you're on all these drugs and then I see a picture of you drinking margaritas with friends, 
as the attorney on the other side, that's my job. I mean, be like, hey, didn't they tell you not to do that? So how much damage came from the accident that that person caused or the medical malpractice or whatever it is that you're alleging happened versus what you're doing to yourself? And social media is just people feel the need to broadcast everything because I think it makes them feel like they're not as alone as they are. And the problem is they're isolating themselves because they're sitting behind the computer and the phone the whole time. So they try to get the love and the feeling like they're in the right and get all that, garner the sympathy from everybody. And the problem is every single thing that you put out there on the other side, I'm going to be ripping apart. Or on my side, I'm going to be searching theirs and trying to find a way to prove that they've invalidated it. Insurance companies can deny you benefits if they can find a picture of you smoking a cigarette on the computer. And people, they forget all of the pictures that you put online. You're somewhere having a drink. You're somewhere and you've got a cigarette in your hand. Um, two weeks ago, I was sitting in a criminal court in Dallas, and this was not my client, but I was watching this take place in a, in a courtroom. It's a fantastic judge. And she asked the person who was there in court appearing, uh, who was supposed to come in, and he had been jailed and had multiple drug charges. So she tells him, you do know that the only answers acceptable in this court are yes, judge, and no judge. We're not even making it hard. You didn't have to say your honor, just yes or no judge. And he answers that question. He goes, yes. And she kind of tilts her head down and he goes, judge. So we already know you're on. Nobody in there. We do defense. We, we know. So then she says, are you going to test dirty? And he's, oh, no. Well, when was the last time you lit up? Now, keep in mind, he was arrested on a drug charge. This is why he's in court. Oh, about a week ago. Okay, he was arrested much further behind a week ago. Imagine like two months. He gets his day in court. He says the last time he smoked is a week ago. Well, that's what you got arrested for. If you were really scared, you wouldn't be doing it. Oh, it was a week ago. But she asked him, are you going to test dirty? Which means if I send you downstairs to give your UA, which that's the abbreviation for urinalysis, urine analysis, where we make you go pee in a cup, completely strip you of your dignity to see what you've been putting in your body. And if we get really pissy, we'll make you do fingernail clippings or hair clippings because you forget everything you put in your body stays in those places. So we can order those too. And he, oh no, I did it you know, over a week ago. She's like, okay, go downstairs and test. Now he was up for probation. He could be offered probation or he could do jail time. He sits there and lies to the judge's face. Everybody in there, including his own attorney, knew he was lying. And when he gets back up, she goes, you know, Here's the thing. I, I know that you're lying because it took you too long to say the word judge. When you have to say yes, judge, like it's a question, then we're going to know that it's a problem. And then she turns around the computer and unbeknownst to everybody, she had found him on social media. And she's like, is this you? And it's like, a I don't know whether it was Twitter or Instagram or something, but they had this strip up at the bottom with the words and it said blazing out. And it's the guy who's there on a drug charge. And the judge turns around this screen on him. It's like, this is you, huh? Because this was less than a week ago. So not only did you get arrested on a drug charge, you came in and you lied and said you did it over a week ago, which is still bad because, hey, that's what you got in trouble for in the first place. And then we go downstairs. You test positive in your UA, which means that you smoked a lot more recently, like the morning of your trial or the morning of your hearing. And you lied to the judge and then you come in and you've posted it on social media and the judge is like, yeah. Uh -uh. And I literally watched the judge go, you know, I was going to let you have probation, 
but you came in here. You were high. I can tell because it took you too long to answer. Everybody in here knows that you were doing it. This is you on the computer. And guess what? Now you're serving time. And there is no time served already for you getting arrested. You're serving the entire 180 days. Can I ask you a question, Stephanie? Absolutely. Go this for it. Kevin, Stephanie's producer, just very abruptly jumping yes. in here. Hi, um, Kevin. But, ask away. <laughs> sure. I had a question about your uh, the, the, this social media thing. Do you think it's less stupidity and more almost that they perceive social media as not the real world that... You know, because they feel safe almost in a sense. They have this false sense I, of security I, because they think like, I oh, think that's no, probably a pretty accurate description. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, they're viewing it as like their own little personal diary. I really think that a lot of people feel safe and they're they're posting with, that's their wheelhouse. The people who in theory are your friends are in your wheelhouse. And so they think, hey, I'm posting to these people who know me and love me. Right. And I'm posting to my friends and they're not going to question anything. And the problem is that that's great that you trust your friends. You just forget that the rest of the world can see it. And so it's very isolationist and it makes you all by yourself. And you think, hey, I'm just getting my friends. And you forget that lawyers like me can see it too. And in that one guy's situation, even if he had smoked and it had been a week, he still would have had a dirty UA, right? Um, most likely? Well, most of the time with THC, pot, whatever you want to call it, it, it typically goes out in about three to four days, depending on how much you've smoked. And for you guys out there, I am not advocating going and doing that. <laughs> I'm just saying that if it had actually Is been that a an week, endorsement for it, I'm just no, no, not unless we're in Colorado. <laughs> um, I'm just waiting for the government to say, yay, pot's <laughs> legal and then tax the shit out of it like alcohol. So yes. Yeah. Um, but no, not a glowing endorsement of doing drugs, but you, he would have still tested positive, but the levels fall, so we can tell. But, I mean, hey, if you're posting two days before you're yeah. in court and you've got one in your hand, then what are we going to think? Exactly. I think we're going to a break now, and we'll be back more with Total Disclosure. More of Total Disclosure with Stephanie Holland is next. With Stephanie Holman on On Air Live. You shine like a star. Welcome back to Total you know Disclosure. I'm Stephanie Holan, and I'm going to be talking to you about a clinic that the Dallas District Attorney is putting on. And this is valuable for anybody who might have something on their criminal record that they might not want out there. This could be minor traffic violation. This could be something like a DUI. We are not talking violent crimes like murder. This is not that. But Dallas County is going to be holding a clinic in April and it's going to be expunging records and basically think sponge and we're just wiping it clean. So if it's not an incredibly violent crime and it's been there for years, let's say you were a really stupid 19 year old and you got a DUI, you know, 17 years ago, that's still going to show up. Um, typically it's charged as a misdemeanor unless you've done it multiple times, then it, it raises the level of the crime that you've committed we can erase those. And so there are lots of lawyers across Dallas County that will be showing up to do this service pro bono. So we're holding an expungement clinic, which means that you will literally be able to show up and sit down with a lawyer and or a judge and get those old charges taken off of your record for free. 
Now, again, we're not talking insanely violent crimes, but if you were a kid who screwed up and you stole something, you know, 11 years ago and that's out on your record, it's important to get that taken off because if you've really cleaned up and you don't have that record, you're sacrificing a lot of job opportunities because that's the number one thing. Um, Earlier, I was talking about social media. Well, I mean, think about how easy it is to access your information. I mean... I could Google you and find out exactly where you worked. I can find That's your address. That's what I wanted to ask. Like, how expunged is, I mean, no one can find this? <clears throat> expunged, um, pretty much. You'd have to have a much higher clearance even than I do because if I were to run the search, I wouldn't find it. It wouldn't come up. No. And what expungement does, is it really erases it from your record. So even if you got pulled over by the cops, and this is what people don't understand, cops can pull you over for anything that's a reasonable suspicion. You didn't use a blinker. Granted, there are a whole lot of people who act like that blinker is an option on their car. Guys, it's not an optional package. Blinkers are there. It is the law. But if you don't signal when you're moving, they can pull you over. And that's a reasonable suspicion to pull you over. You just broke the law. I'm an overactive blinker. I I turn it on to pull in a parking space. No, I I do it out of habit. So I I really am confused by the people. But I think it's that possessive thing. Like, this is my space on the road. Mm -hmm. You can't come. And I'm not going to tell you I'm going to move over because I'm doing Mario Kart. In my yeah. car, you know, or there's a really, really awesome song on the radio and this oh, is what yeah, I'm yeah, driving yeah, yeah. to. I tend to drive faster when there's better music on Me too. on the radio, but you get pulled over for something like that. And so when you get pulled over, what do you think the cops are doing back there? They're not just jacking with you. They're taking your car. They're taking your make, your model, your color, and they're typing it in and they're looking to see, was this used in a crime? Is it stolen? When did they buy it? Who's the registered owner? Is the registration in? So if they... Even if you don't use your blinker and you get pulled over, well, guess what? Then any other law that you've broken and they find, they had a reason to pull you over. And as long as that first reason is legal, and as long as they have a suspicion. So if I pull you over and That's then all fair play. I see like beer, if I walk up to your window and I see beer cans on your floor, guess what? Now I get to get you out of the car. And I have a reasonable suspicion to think that you were drinking. And they call it RAC, R-A-C, reasonable, articulatable suspicion suspicion you know and if you can tell that to someone then the cops are okay they pull you over they sit you and of course you're baking in the car going holy crap am i gonna get a ticket this is a really crappy day doing what all people do when they get pulled over well guess what that record gets pulled up so guess what now i know that you're a convicted felon because you burgled a place seven years ago you might be a really good person you might be a really you know a really good business person but now i can change um, as long as they want to, yes. No one can force someone else to change. You can always change yourself. It's just highly difficult. Most people don't. Is it illegal to have an empty beer can in your car? Um, as long as it's empty, no. There's but no there's, empty container law? Um, it's the open container law. And basically that means that like, hey, if I have a reasonable suspicion to pull you over and then I get up there and there's an open bottle of tequila or it's close enough where I'm like, huh, yeah. I need to, you know, get this person out. And, you know, breathalyzer is one thing. Um, you can refuse a breathalyzer even on the no refusal weekends, but you're going to go to jail automatically. But basically, why give them added ammunition? Because if I see that you're a convicted felon, guess what? I'm expecting you to have done something bad by the time you get to the car. And that's not a profile. That's just people who tend to do violent slash illegal things tend to have a trend. So now I've pulled you over because you were breaking the law and I get up there and now I see that there's a bottle of tequila on the floor. 
again, you're out of the car. So this expungement clinic is really good because it helps those people who really aren't repeat offenders, who aren't violent criminals, but it's very hard to get a job because I mean, think, even at McDonald's, I mean, you have to fill out and they changed the law a little bit where you didn't have to report all felonies. But for the bulk of jobs that you apply for, if you've been convicted of a felony, everybody who's ever filled out an application knows you get to that spot and it says, you know, have you ever been convicted of a, of a crime? And you have to do the check yes or no. If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then please elaborate. And they give you like the three lines to explain, you know, like my last story about the guys who were drunk in a Whataburger at 3 a.m. Yep, with the machete. Exactly. Yes, exactly. My <laughs> machete, guys. Yep. Um, you know, hey, if that's the one thing you did, we probably don't want that on there for the rest of forever. But that's that you're evading arrest. You're doing all these things. So if I'm the cop who pulls you over or if I'm looking for somebody to work, even at McDonald's, you're pulling machetes on people. I'm not thinking that you're the safest bet. I don't want you yeah. around my customers. I don't want you around clients and especially even schools like people who are applying to be janitors or custodial service people whichever term we want to give them why in the world would i want a convicted felon around three you know third and fourth graders i'm not going to so this expungement clinic is it's really actually very kind and very forward thinking of dallas county because we don't want people to be losing out on their job opportunities because they made a stupid decision seven years ago five years even earlier this year as long as you're not a repeat offender and it's not a violent crime, there's a way to get your your record wiped. You don't I mean, have to live the rest of your life as a convicted felon. Exactly. And and this is good because when you have those felonies out there, you can't get a job. And then if you can't get a job, and this is the vicious cycle that you get in. So for all of those out there who are considering maybe doing something shady, I'm going to throw some advice out there. First off, lawyers are expensive. They're a luxury. Yes, you can get a court-appointed attorney. And I actually volunteer to be on the appointment attorney wheel. So I have my own firm. But I also volunteer to take cases through Dallas County. They don't make lawyers tons of money. They're not insanely wealthy doing that. So you can get a quality attorney doing that. The problem is that you're still going to have the fact that you were arrested out there. So if you're arrested but not convicted, we can take that off of your record. And that's going to enable you to get a lot of jobs because if you do have that on your record and I'm running your background check for a job, I'm going to see, oh, this person was arrested for this. This It doesn't matter to me whether you're convicted or not. I'm going to see that you were arrested for it. Well, if I've got somebody who's not arrested for it and they have the other qualifications, guess what? You're out of a job. Well, if you're out of a job and you can't get legal employment, What's your option except to do things that are illegal to get money? And this is where we get the people who are selling drugs or continue to steal because first we we punish you for something you legit did. You're in trouble for a reason. But then it's on your record forever. And as an employer, when you're looking, it's almost like getting repeated, you know, you're getting repeatedly punished for this. And so, um, again, this is going to be in April. I will give more details on my website and I will also throw it up on the total disclosure uh, Facebook page so that you can see when this clinic is going to be. Again, it's free. It's volunteer attorneys, and we will be helping to expunge records to get those unsightly slash messes with getting a job things off of your record. We will be back in just a few minutes. More of Total Disclosure. Stephanie Holland is next.
You're listening to Total Disclosure with Stephanie Holman on On Air Live. Thank you for listening to Total Disclosure with Stephanie Holan. Over the break, we were discussing a few things more about social media that I was just talking about. We're going to be branching out and talking about uh, mostly teenagers, preteens on social media because I have a lot of words of advice out there for parents, not only as an attorney, as a parent myself, but also as a former educator. There are a lot of things involving social media and cell phones that we might not actually realize are criminal, and they are. But the other thing that we were just talking about, remind me, because we said it was important for me to tell people, oh, getting the records. Yes, that's right, the social media. Yeah, on social media. Okay, as a lawyer, there's something called discovery. Most lawyers don't send you a dictionary of legal terms. Maybe we should get better at that. It might help. But basically what discovery is, is it's a pre-trial tool. Now, if you have a lawyer and you ever hear the words pre-trial Please don't freak out. Less than one percent of cases ever go to trial. Now there are lots of there are lots of legal what, cases. What percent? Less than one. Oh wow. Less than one percent of cases ever go to trial. Ninety nine percent are going to settle out or hit a plea deal. In in civil, it's you're settling, and in criminal, you'll have a plea deal or an agreement with the prosecution. So again, there's civil side versus criminal side, and my best example is the O.J. Simpson trial, just because it's it's the most easily recognizable. He was not found guilty in the criminal court with, you know, Marsha Clark and everything and everybody who Chris was Darden. watching. Yeah, Netflix and everything, which I have still avoided it because I am an attorney. <laughs> Everybody's like, have you seen it? And I'm like, dude, I was alive when it happened. Don't really need to watch it. Okay, that's the criminal side. That is where the criminal side is where the state prosecutes you for breaking a state law. The civil side is where I go and say, hey, I'm Nicole Brown's mother, and you know I think you killed my daughter. I'm going to sue you for wrongful death, and that's our civil side. Well, on both sides, we get to file something called pretrial. It's a pretrial motion, and it's called discovery. And discovery is exactly what you would think the regular definition is. You're discovering something. There are typically five types of discovery used. We call them requests for production, interrogatories, fancy word for asking questions, just point blank questions like, did you have an affair? That's an interrogatory. Getting right to Uh, it. Yeah. A request for production is, please produce all of your travel receipts on your American Airlines card for the last five years. Because guess what? If you took somebody with you, I'm going to see the point difference. Name the person who's gone with you. Name your experts. Give me every bank account. So this is discovery. The reason we do it is because the court system really is overcrowded. And we're trying to get all of that information up front. That way, it's not wasting an attorney's time. It's not wasting the judge's time. It doesn't waste court time. So this is why less than 1% are ever going to go to trial. So people hear pre-trial motion and they freak out. But discovery... Yeah, yeah, i one of those people that freaked out. And social media. What that means is, in one of my previous family cases, I can say to the other side, hey, person X, I need all of your social media posts from Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn... Tumblr, Vimeo, Instagram, Instagram, uh, Twitter, if I haven't said that already. Basically, anything that's a social media site that you can post on, I need all of them for the last five years. Also, as an attorney, I can have them order discovery on your cell phone, and I can get all of your location services. I can get it all. It's Even if disc- you have that turned off? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. because Privacy settings? Um, it doesn't matter. Because it's it's all considered discoverable. And the reason we want that stuff to be discoverable is because it speeds up the court process. There are no aha moments like they have in TV. 
And so, so many people's only experience with the court system is what they see on TV. And in real life, 99% of what I do is written. It's discovery where I'm saying, hey, send me your bank records. If you're going through a divorce and you're saying your husband makes, you know, half a million dollars a year, well, I'm going to need the bank records to prove that. And that also means that if he's taking care of somebody on the side or she has, you know, her other on the side and is going on yacht trips, I'm going to be able to see it based on your accounts or where you're sending cash. And so we do discovery asks for all of that information. You have to remember everything you put out there on social media is discoverable because you can't tell me you have an expectation of privacy if you put it on something that how many millions of users are there? I think we're probably over a billion on Facebook probably. worldwide. Yeah. You can't tell me you have an expectation of privacy and that I shouldn't be able to bring it in. If you're posting it where over a billion people could feasibly see it. And so you're intentionally the, broadcasting your whole life. Exactly. That's exactly what that's what social media is. And yeah. earlier I was saying, you know, hey, you don't need those 300 likes or 300. So I'm so sorry you're going through a divorce. <laughs> yeah. Of course, your good friends are going to be sorry. If they're not sorry, then they're either being very honest and good friends, or they suck as friends and you should get rid of them. Yeah, rather than talking because they're my friends, not because I saw it on social media. Exactly. And so discovery enables us to actually speed up this process, but you need to remember that I can see everything. And again, I said this, I was going to tie this into teenagers. Ladies and gentlemen out there, I have a teenager of my own. She does not always operate her brain like I would want her to. Like she is an only child when she's in my house minus the three cats. A certain amount of food, human food, has disappeared. And she's like, well, I didn't do it. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, because the cats opened the fridge and did. Okay, stupid lie. Teenagers lie. Their brains have 4,000 times the amount of hormones. Again, teacher, lots of brain research behind that. They're never going to operate. I mean, just think back to when you were a teenager. We all did stupid things. I was dumb. I was... (laughs) I was just immature and very naive. I think that's what I was too. You know, just really immature and really naive. And the thing is, is that I'm not thinking long-term consequences of whatever I'm doing. And now we've enabled this entire generation with this wonderful thing, social media. And it's great for connecting with people on the other side of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have teenagers and they decide to send a naked selfie, which it does happen, please stop kidding yourselves. Your children all know what sex is, whether or not you've had that talk. Your job is to be a parent and not a friend. Please... Be honest, think about what you were doing as a 15, 16, 17-year-old and realize that your children are genetically related to you, which means they're probably doing the exact same thing. Problem is, if they've got it on their phone, they are now eligible for being convicted of a sex crime. They can be listed as a, a, a sexual deviant, a sex offender. That means you have to be like a registered sex exactly, offender or something like that? for the rest of your life because sex crimes are one of those things that we don't take lightly. Yeah. And also people who... Um, it's one of the only crimes research-wise that it shows that offenders tend to be repeat offenders, repeat offenders, repeat offenders, because that sort of, um, when you're talking real pedophile, because the problem is you're dealing with teenagers. And like I said, we were stupid, naive, young teenagers. We just didn't have cameras that we could send shit to each other on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so now they do. And it's like Snapchat. Guys out there, ladies out there, when you take a picture on Snapchat, yeah, your friends can only see it for five, ten seconds, whatever it's programmed to. But here's the thing. When you when you click that little agree button, it says that the servers can save it and it becomes the property of Snapchat. So you can still get that stuff from There's Discovery. There's something called, I can get it from Discovery. I can find what you put out there. But the other thing that you're not considering is there's lots of creepy bad people in the world who are doing the dark web 
And for those of you out there who don't know what the dark web is, I need you to literally imagine, for people who are my age, imagine the Twin Towers when they were standing up. Twin Tower A, Twin Tower B. Those are servers, and they serve all your information. But they've got to send it somewhere, right? So how do they send it? It's not like the two buildings move together and are touching each other. That means they have to send it somewhere. That space outside of the servers which seems really abstract. That's called the dark web. Yeah, it's hard to even wrap my head around. <laughs> but 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 you have to imagine, like you're sending a signal through somewhere and it's not a physical thing because we're using radio waves and all of this technology that is way above what I do for a job. But people who are bad, people who are pedophiles, people who deal in child pornography, they can go pull your pictures off. So young teenagers, preteens out there, please realize that just because you can only see it for five seconds doesn't mean it's only available for five seconds. Other people can go access it in the dark web. Also, attorneys like me file something called discovery and I can pull it off. For all of you parents out there, you need to realize that if your 15-year-old daughter decides to take a, a picture of herself in the nude, which so many of them do because everybody wants to feel attractive. I'm not faulting the kids. It makes sense. They're only using the tools that are available to them. If right. we had it available just a to us, of your environment. exactly, we would have done just as many stupid things. And so they do this when they send it from one phone to the other. It's considered, um, you know, sending child pornography. So you're transmitting it, and this is going to be a higher crime, and they will have to register as a sex offender. And I realize this is a not a fun subject and it's uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's just good to keep in mind. We are running out of time here. If you have any questions about anything that I've mentioned, you can contact me through my website at www.holinlaw.com. You can find me on Total Disclosure on my Facebook site, or you can harass the producer here. I'm sure he'll be able to Absolutely. connect you with me. And thank you for tuning in today.